All right. So today um, we're gonna finish talking about. Is that not working? Yeah, it's, it's not. Oh. I did. Still did. Is that one working, Brother Mark? Oh, okay. No problem. Okay, that. I think bo both batteries are dead. Well, people tell me I have a big mouth, so we're not going to worry about it. Oh, it's working. Okay. All right, so um, today we're going to actually finish talking about uh, the power that is in the name of Jesus that we started like. Today is our 10th week. I think there are still some scripture left in the Bible that talks about the name of Jesus that we have not discussed. I think we touched base on almost all of them. But the rest of the scripture, the name is used more like um, a reference to the actual person. So I think that should conclude our um, like the series or whatever about the power that is in the name of Jesus. Um, I'm thinking after that we might want to start talking about um, something I always wanted to talk about, which is um, shadows of Golgotha. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over the Old Testaments and we're going to see pictures of the cross from Genesis all the way to Malachi. And I just want to show you guys that the cross is truly the focal point of God from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation 22. The one central theme throughout the whole Bible is this. That day when Jesus was crucified, when he was nailed on that cross and rose again from the dead three days later. We're going to try to go through the scripture and see how the type and the pictures of the Old Testament, how it always pointed out that Jesus has to die on the cross and that without the cross there will be no salvation. Amen? I'm excited about it. I think I'm going to learn a ton as well as I'm studying. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be long. Um, might take us, uh, I'm expecting a year or so or more. But we'll see how long it's going to take us. Amen? But today we're going to close talking about the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And we're going to close with this title, Miracles in the Name of Jesus. Amen? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 14. Uh, we read that scripture last week, but we didn't discuss it. If you don't have your Bible, you can read it in the notes. And that will be John 14, 12 to 14. And here is what Jesus told his disciples. Amen? Most assuredly, I say to you. Question. I'm going to ask you as we read. When Jesus said most assuredly, then how sure is that stuff that he's going to say now? Very That's very sure, right? Is that questionable or is that certain? Just the, I mean, if he if he doesn't say most assuredly, you still have to believe him anyway. He doesn't need to lie to us, and he will not lie to us, right? But when he say most assuredly, is like, if you ever question it, don't. Amen? This is most assuredly. I say to you, pastors and ministers and evangelists and only those who are called to full-time ministries, right? What did he say after that? He who believes in me. Question, who is that? Is that you or is that somebody else? That's you. So Jesus is talking to you. me, you personally, me personally, and you personally, okay? So most assuredly, I say to you, if you believe in me, here is what's going to happen to you. The works that I do, he will also do. He will do it also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. So what does that mean? That means you and I, 
have a promise from Jesus to do greater miracles than the one he did. Amen? I mean, think about it. One time Jesus healed from, healed from a distance. He said just one came to him, a guy came to him, it's like, say, you know, heal my slave, heal my servant. Jesus said, I, uh, you have great faith, go, he's healed. The guy wasn't even there, and Jesus just healed him from a distance. Amen? Jesus said we can do even greater than that, right? And it's not just for me and those who are called to do full-time ministries. This is for who? For you and me. Amen? Justina, you can go around healing the sick in Jesus' name. This is God's plan for your life. Amen? Amen. It's true. I'm not saying that. He said that, right? Yeah. And it's, I think it's about time for our life to change, to match the word of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, because I go to my father. And then he said, and whatever you ask in my name, that I might do. I will do. But then he said, 90% of you ask, I will do, right? He said, whatever you ask, I evaluate, and then I decide if I want to do it or not, right? He said, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? What is the purpose of all of this? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen? And that's the goal, right? Jesus did not give us a blank check like that so you can go around saying hey i like that bmw i'm gonna claim it in jesus name no the point is god the father must be glorified amen Amen. and i know one thing for sure there is nothing that will glorify god more than seeing the lost getting saved right we know that to be for fact right so we can commend healing we can commend signs and wonders we can commend miracles so that people will come to find life in jesus we know for sure god will be glorified amen And then he said, um, verse 14, If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. It It depends on what translation you you read, but some translations took out the word me. So they say, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. But the most accurate manuscripts has the word me in it. Apparently, throughout history in the first early centuries, some scribes so this cannot be true we cannot be asking jesus we're supposed to ask the father so they assumed it's an error so they took it out but the most accurate and oldest manuscripts has the word me in it jesus said if you ask me anything this i will do amen and that is that's literally in line what he said in verse 13 whatever you ask in my name that i will do amen so he's saying i am the one who's gonna do this we touch base on that last week right if you remember we said that three times in the book of john jesus said whatever you ask in my name this i will do right one in john 14 one in john 15 and one in john 16 the one in john 15 and 16 jesus was saying whatever you ask the father in my name this i will do right here it's a little bit different here he says whatever you ask me i will do so that the father will be glorified now What is that supposed to mean? To be honest with you, I don't know. Okay? (laughs) Here's my honest answer to you. I don't know if it's truly that big of a difference what Jesus is trying to imply here in John 14 versus John 15 and 16. Or is he essentially saying the same thing? Okay? Kenneth Hagin, the guy who founded the Rhema uh, Bible School or whatever, um, I was listening to him and he was commenting on that verse. And he's saying that the only difference between John 14, verses 15 and 16, 15 and 16, Jesus is saying, whatever you ask the Father in my name, so he's talking about prayer, right? 
But here, he's, Jesus is saying, whatever you demand in my name, like for example, if you ask sicknesses and diseases to leave in my name, then it will obey. I will do that so the Father will be glorified. Amen? So he's saying that here it doesn't really talk about prayer. Now, he has some merits to his arguments, but he doesn't have some other merits to his arguments. What he's wrong about in a way is that Jesus used the exact same word, ask, in Greek that he used in chapter 15 and chapter 16, which literally, uh, the word for begging, the word for somebody lesser asking for somebody uh, higher than him, okay? Which makes sense if we're asking Jesus, we're still lesser than him and we're asking him. Is Jesus talking about prayer? I don't know. He might, he might not. Is he talking about commanding sicknesses and diseases to leave in his name? He probably might. I'm not sure. So the, the only thing that's going against that is he's using the exact same Greek word. That the, What is going for that? What can be truly fact that Jesus is talking about demanding sicknesses and diseases to leave is this. He's saying, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do in the context of doing signs and wonders. Amen. So he's saying in verse uh, 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do it also, and greater works he will do, because I go to my Father, and then verse 13, and whatever you ask. So he's continuing the exact same thought. He's not transitioning to something totally different. He's still explaining the exact same point, right? That whatever we ask, we have the authority to perform signs and wonders even greater than the ones that Jesus did. And what is our method for that? His name. Amen? So the point is still valid that the name of Jesus has authority and has power to command sicknesses and diseases to go, to command demons to flee. And they will obey because the name of Jesus is far much powerful, far much stronger than every sickness, every disease, and every demon. Amen? Amen. And that is the power that we have in the name of Jesus. We have something among these lines as well in Mark 16, 17 to 18. Here is what the evangelist Mark said. Again, this passage is questionable in terms of if it's in the original manuscripts or not. But even if we assume that it is not in the original Greek, which the most likely the case, it still gives us an idea of what the early church thought about ministry and evangelism and the church of that time, right? So here is what they thought about. Here is what Mark said, Mark 16, 17 to 18. Jesus now is about to ascend to the Father and he's commissioning his disciples and he's saying, and these signs will accompany those who believe, right? What are they going to do? In my name. How? Again, in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak a new tongue. They will pick up serpents and with their hands. And if they drink... Any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hand, their hands on the sick and they will recover. What is the authority? What is the power that will help us to see the sick getting healed, the demon fleeing, signs and wonders taking place? What? In his name. Amen? You see that? It's through the power that we have in the name of Jesus that we can take authority over nature, over sicknesses, over disease, over demons, and command us to obey because of the authority that we have in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Um, I, I was listening a lot to Kenneth Hagin this week. He has a lot of good points, I have to say. And he was pointing to Matthew 28, okay? When Jesus commissioned the disciple. And here's why he said, 
Jesus said, go ye, and then he said what? Can anybody help me finish that verse? Go ye into all the world, right? No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples, right? So when he says therefore, that means, oh, he's linking it to something that was just said right before that, right? He's saying, as a result, go ye therefore and make disciples, right? Do you guys know? I mean, this is not me again. This is Kenneth Hagin, but it's good. Do you guys know what Jesus said right before that? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth is giving to me. Go ye therefore and make disciples, right? So Jesus is saying, because now I have the power and my name is far much higher than every name of sickness, every name of disease, every demon name, because I have that much power. Now you can go in that authority that I have in my name and you can heal the sick, deliver the oppressed, raise the dead and proclaim the gospel. Amen? Amen. It's parallel in a way to what Jesus was telling us here in Mark 16, 17 to 18. That in his name, in his authority, we can do miracles, signs and wonders, healing and deliverance. Amen? Amen. Do you guys see the power that we have in the name of Jesus? So let's talk about that. We're going to see how the name of Jesus has power to heal the sick. How the name of Jesus has power to deliver those who are demonically obsessed or possessed. And then the name of Jesus has power that we can use in our spiritual warfare. Amen? So let's look at some examples. Jesus' name has power to heal the sick. We read a story about that in Acts chapter 3. You guys remember in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit fell on the 120 disciples like tongues of fire. All of them start speaking in a different tongue. 3,000 people get saved in that day. Now we usher into chapter uh, 4 or chapter 3. So what is happening? Peter and John are going to the temple so they can pray. And we pick up from here, verse 6. There was a beggar actually at the gate of the temple. And when he saw Peter and John coming, he looked very like intently unto them. You know why? Because he was expecting some money, right? He thought they're going to give him silver or give him some gold or give him some money. Because he's a beggar, that's what he does. So he was looking at them very, very expectingly that they would give him some money. So what happens? Verse 6. Then Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what? What I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Do what? Rise up and walk. And what did he do? The guy jumps up and he start, stand up and start jumping around. Now again, Kenneth Hagin, this is not, most of this stuff, not me. But he's saying, he's pointing to the words of Peter. He, he said, what I do have, correct. But do you see the mindset of Peter? He say, I have the power that is in that name, right? I might be as broke as I get, but I have far more, far things more important than silver and gold. And that is the authority that is in the name of Jesus to heal the sick. Amen? Amen. Now question, I ask you a question. How much prayer did Peter spend in that incident to see the lame guy walk? None. None. How much prayer? None. How, how long did he pray? None. What did he say? In the name of Jesus... Walk. How difficult is that to say? Easy. Easy. Because the, the power is not in the methodology. The power is not that you need to spend hours and hours praying for one sick person to be healed. The whole power is in the name of Jesus. The authority is in that name. Amen? And once you command sickness and diseases to flee in that name, then sickness and diseases will obey. Amen? Amen. 
stand up and walk, but not in my strength, not in my authority, but through the name of Jesus. Amen? And then verse 16, Peter said, By faith in the name of Jesus, now the high priest and the Pharisees and all these people start questioning him. How in the world do you do that? So here is his answer, verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. How? By faith in the name of Jesus. Again, Kenneth Hagin was saying here, by faith in the name of Jesus. Question, whose faith? Peter's faith, right? Our faith in, the, in that incident is Peter's faith, right? The guy was not expecting anything. He didn't know who they are. He was just expecting some money, right? But by that, that, the assurance that Peter had that the name of Jesus can heal because of that faith and that power that lays in the name of Jesus, this lame man who was lame for so long, guess what? Now he's made strong. He stands up and walk. Amen? And then he said, it is Jesus' what? Name. And the faith that comes through him, that uh, that has completely healed him, as you can all see. How can this man be healed? By the name of Jesus. By the authority that the name of Jesus has over sicknesses and over diseases. That's only how this sick man can be made well. Amen? Now, if we skip to the, first, the chapter after that, they're still questioning him. Acts 4-7, and they said... They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. I, I quoted this because I want to show you something. They, here's their question. By what power or what name do you do this? Do you see the Jewish mindset? That the name here is equal to authority, equal to power. And that name can has power to heal the sick. So it's like, what kind of power, what kind of name you guys are using to heal that sick person? Amen. Do you see that? The name of Jesus is equal to power of Jesus. Amen? And then he the, verse 10. Then know this. You and all the people of Israel. This is Peter again. Listen to this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified but God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. Amen? Amen. How did he do it? By medicine and uh, physical therapy? Yeah. It's by the power that is in the name of Jesus. And then verse 10. Now the disciples went back and they're praying to God to help them to evangelize more because they start facing persecution. And what is their prayer? Verse 30. Stretch out your hand. This is their prayer to God. To heal and perform signs and wonders. How? Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Amen. This is the mindset of the early church that the name of Jesus has power over sicknesses, has power over diseases, has power over nature, that they can command even nature to obey in the power that is in the name of Jesus and it will do it. Amen? Amen. James 5, 14. Look at this. Again, healing the sick in the name of Jesus. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil. How? In the name of the Lord. Which Lord? Jesus. Jesus. Amen. He's saying if somebody's sick, bring them, bring, have the elder to go there, anoint them with oil. And in the name of Jesus, they can command the sick person to be healed. Amen. Do you guys see that? The name of Jesus has power and authority over every sickness and over every disease. Amen. Just 
You command the sickness to go in Jesus' name and it is to obey. Amen? It's about time for us to live the Bible. Amen? Amen. Not just hear about it in the church on a Sunday morning. So um, healing is in the name of Jesus. Who has that authority? Yeah, but who can go out and exercise that authority in the name of Jesus? John, John 14, 12. Whoever believes in me. Amen. I told you guys this when we were talking about signs and wonders. John 3.16. Can somebody help me? What does it say? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave him his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have an everlasting life. Right? How many of us today take that word to be true? We know that we believe in the name of Jesus. We know that we're going to go to heaven. Amen? We're not questioning that promise. We have no problem with it, right? Well, guess what? It is the exact same Jesus, the exact same book, the exact same writer, just a few chapters down the road. He, Jesus also said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, who will have eternal life because they believed in me, can also do greater works than the one I did. Amen? God doesn't have illegitimate children. We're all his children. Amen? God doesn't pick and choose. That was Old Testament. God will call specific people. In the New Testament, we're all equally called to go out in the power of God and bring the gospel of Christ into this dying and perishing world. Amen? Amen. Amen. But number two, deliverance from demonic possession can also be done in the name of Jesus. Amen? Let me just show you one story here. It's in Acts 16, 16 to 19. Paul was in Ephesus at that time, and he was evangelizing, and there was a, a girl who was demon-possessed, and she was a, a fortune teller. And every time Paul would pass by, I think it was uh, Silas, I think it was Silas with him, and they, uh, the lady would say, oh, this is the servants of the living God who show you that the way of truth or a way of truth. And Paul got very annoyed with that. So let's pick up from here, verse 16, and read what happened. Now it happens, as we went to prayer, that's Paul and Silas, if I remember correctly, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, okay, who brought her masters a lot of money, much profit. How? By fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned to her and said to the spirit. Okay, let's pause here for a second. Let's pause for a second. We, I don't know why Paul was annoyed with that lady. I, I mean, the Bible is kind of quiet about it. It's, uh, my, I was reading about it yesterday. The closest thing that I can come up with is this. It might be that because people are used to this girl being demon-possessed and maybe like using a lot of idols in her, you know, whatever, fortune-telling or something like that, when she testifies to the God that Paul and, and Silas and Luke was worshiping or promoting, maybe the people around her would think that God is just like any other idol that she has been associated with in the past. Maybe. That's the closest thing I can come up with. But we don't know all the facts. We don't know why. But Paul got so annoyed with that girl. And then he turned out and he commanded her. Right? Does it say that? Let's, yeah. But Paul greatly annoyed. He turned and he said to her. 
to the spirit, right? He didn't say to her. He said to the spirit. Do you see that? When Peter commanded the, the sickness, he didn't command God. He didn't command Jesus. He commanded the sickness to flee, right? He said, stand up and walk. The body, stand up and walk. And it obeyed, right? And now we see Paul is commanding. He's not commanding the girl. He's not commanding Jesus. He's commanding who? The spirit. And what is he saying? I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. How difficult that is. Not very bad. I can say it. Can you say that? We can all say this one phrase, right? But the power is actually in Jesus' name over every demonic spirit. And what happened to that? And he came out of her after a long struggle, the Bible say, right? That very hour, once Paul said that, the evil spirit left. But her master saw that their prophet was gone, so they start fussing about it. But do you see that? Do you see that the name of Jesus has power over every demonic spirit? All what it takes doesn't take a lot of fasting, a lot of prayer. All what you have to say is just, I take authority over you in Jesus' name. Be gone. And guess what? They are to obey. Why? Not because we're good. Not because we're powerful. But because we have the authority that we have in Jesus' name. Amen? It's because of his name. Look, Luke 10, 17. Look at the disciples here. Jesus sent 72 all over Israel to proclaim the gospel. They came back with this good report. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons subject, submit to us. How? In your name. We command them in your name and they obey us. Because the name of Jesus is far much powerful, far more stronger than every demon in hell. Amen? Here's the question. Is there demon position in America? Yes. You better believe it. I, we don't see it often as it manifests itself in so many parts of the world. But I honestly, this is my thinking. I truly believe that it is. There is a lot of people who are demon possessed, right? Let's think about it. How did demons manifest themselves in the Bible? How? Well, for one, we just read that story about this lady, right? How did she, how the demon manifested itself? Through fortune telling. Do we have fortune tellings in America? You better believe it. Psychic. How do you do it? Well, demon. Amen? How about this? The Bible tells us that Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He comes down and then he sees this guy coming to him and say, Jesus, heal my son. He's demon possessed. And whenever the demon gets him, it convulses him. He's so epileptic. Can you please do something about it? That's another way of, of demons manifesting themselves, right? We have another story in Mark chapter 5 when there was this naked crazy man who's running naked in the tombs and everybody trying to contain him and they cannot chain him. Every time they chain him, he just breaks that chains and he's running around naked. How is that demon manifesting himself? He's just crazy, right? Do we have crazy people here in the U.S.? We have. We, we just give it some fancy names. We call that seizures, uh, epilepsy, bipolar, schizophrenia, psychosis. We just give it all sort of like fancy names, right? Now, don't take me wrong. I don't think that everyone who shows a special kind of like this kind of sicknesses is demon possessed. But what I'm saying is some of the people who manifest these very exact demonic manifestations are just demon possessed, right? And they don't need a shot of clonopin. They need the power that is in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, who cast out the demons? Who can cast? Who's, whose authority that is that? I want to tell you something, though. You know that casting out demons is not of the gifts of the Holy Spirit? It's not a gift. And when Paul mentioned that in, in 1 Corinthians, 
He didn't mention casting out demons as a gift. There is miracles and signs and wonders, but it's not a gift to cast out demons because it's the authority of every believer. Every believer can do it. Amen? Let me just show you two stories in the Bible. The first story we read in Mark 9, 38 to 39. Now the disciples come to Jesus and they said, Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons. Again, how? In your name. And we told him to stop because he's not following us. He's not one of the 12 or one of the 72 or whatever. But he's casting out demons in your name. But Jesus, what did Jesus say? Do not stop him. For no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon to afterwards speak evil of me. Amen? So these people apparently believed in the power of the name of Jesus. They believed in him. They weren't just one of the immediate disciples. And they were just going around casting out demons in Jesus' name. And guess what? Demons were obeying, right? I think it's shame for people who seem to be a little bit distant than Christ can use the authority that in that name to do signs and wonders. And we, the children, to come to his service every single week and listen to his word, still live a powerless life every single day of the week. Amen? Now let's read another story. Now this is in Acts, 13, Acts 19 and 13. Now these people are a little bit different. These people are sorcerers. They make money off, you know, just playing with demons and messing up with them. They're not believers. They're just evil people. A bunch of Jewish people here. Acts 19 to 13. We're going to read to verse 17. Some Jews who went around. Here's the key word. Went around driving out devil spirits. Tried to invoke the name of Jesus. Uh, of the Lord Jesus. Over those who were demon possessed. They would say. In the name of Jesus. Whom Paul preaches. I command you to come out. Verse 4. Also there were seven uh, sons of Siva. A Jewish chief priest. Who did so. Now. They were going around doing this, casting out demons. This is the way they would make money. So they will use whatever means they can to manipulate people to give them the appearance that they are casting out demons. Amen? Amen. So they, hey, they start hearing about Jesus. Like, well, uh, we hear that Paul is casting out demons in Jesus' name. Maybe we can try that too. Who knows? Maybe it works. They're not believers. They're not born again of the Spirit of God. Amen? They're just making money off it. Amen? So what happens to them? They go to a demon and say, in the name of Jesus Christ that Paul preaches. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, I command you to come out. What happens? Verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Amen. And Paul, I know. But who are you? Verse 16. Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded and it became both it became known to all Jews and Greek dwelling in Ephesus and fear filled all and the name of Jesus was what? Magnified. Do you see this? The name of Jesus was magnified when demons were not cast out. Do you see that? It is now when the demon was casted out, that's how the name of Jesus was glorified. It was glorified when evil, wicked people wanted to use his name for their own personal advantage. And when they got kicked out, their butt got kicked because they misusing the power that is in that name, the name of Jesus got glorified. Amen? Amen. But do you see this? Do you see the power that this evil spirit has? There's seven guys. Seven guys versus one. Right? But this one is demon possessed. And what happened with the power that this demon had? 
He beats seven people up and tears their clothes and kicked them out wounded and naked, right? Do you see how much physical power this one evil spirit has, right? But this one evil spirit is worth absolutely nothing to the power that, and the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Amen? You command that demon to flee in the name of Jesus and it has no option except to obey because the name of Jesus is far more powerful than every demon in hell. Amen? Alright, so miracles and healings in the name of Jesus. Casting out demon in the name of Jesus. Now let's drive that more maybe even personal to us in our spiritual warfare against the devil. Can we use the name of Jesus? You better believe it. Amen? Now look at this. We're going to apply it in two ways. Number one, when you pray for the lost. Well, the Bible tells us this. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 4. That the God of this age, who's that? Satan, right? Has blinded the eyes of those who don't believe, right? Why? So that the glorious gospel, the light of the gospel does not shine into them, right? Do you see that? It's like when you go out and try to talk to a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or whatever, atheist or whatever, and you present them to the fact, they just stare the facts in the eye and they just don't see it. It's just, they're over them. They find a way around it. They don't want to confront the facts. You know why in so many ways? Some of it people are being arrogant. They don't want to confess to the facts. But also because the God of this age has blinded their eyes so they not see the truth. Amen? Satan just deceived them, manipulated them, and they just can't help it except to be deceived. Amen? That's why Paul said in Ephesians 6, 12, For our wrestle is not against flesh and blood. Amen? When you go out and witness and somebody, a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist, disagree with you and keep giving you hard time, it is not that you're arguing against that person. Do you see that? Our wrestling is not against the flesh and the blood that we're trying to share the gospel with. But it's against the principalities, against the powers, against the ruler of darkness in this age, against the spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen? Satan blind the eyes of people. Satan keep them captive in his, in his bondage through the yoke of sin, through bondage, whatever case is. He just hold people captive and blind them to see the light of the gospel. Amen? But I have some good news for you. Amen. Right? That that was Ephesians chapter 6. But let's go back to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's see what God, what Paul told the church. He said, I wish you can just see the exceeding power that is available to you who believe. How much power we have. Here it is. The measure of that power is according to the working of God's own power, which he worked in Christ Jesus when he raised him up from the dead and seated him at the right, at his right hand in the heavenly places. Where? Look at this. Far Above, where again, far above of principalities and power and might and dominion and every demonic name and every single name could ever be named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. This is the power that God has showed in Christ that is available for you and me. And if you remember, when we talked about the exceeding riches of His grace, we, see, we said that we are seated with Christ, right? In the heavenly places, far above, just like He is, far above every dominion and power and name to be named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Amen? And we said that means we have authority over these demonic spirits that we, because of the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. So in our warfare against 
Satan and all his principalities trying to get the lost saved. We need every time you try to witness. If you're praying for your lost friend, if you're praying for your lost neighbor, you need to take authority over every demonic spirit that's trying to deceive them and lead them away from the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to command the demon to leave, the eyes to open, the bondage to be broken in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And guess what? It will obey. Amen. Amen. But also, not just in praying for the lost in our personal life and our personal walk, we have power that we need to use in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now, think about this. The Bible tells us to flee sin, right? The Bible doesn't say resist sin. Say run away from sin. You know why? Because the more time you spend with sin, sin is going to pull you down. Amen? So the best thing you do with sin is to run away, right? But when it comes to Satan, the Bible doesn't say flee Satan. It says resist the devil. Amen? So you don't run away from Satan. You know why? Because the more you run from him, he's right after you, right? Right? He's just not going to let up. He's not going to let go till he get you down. Amen? So it says flee sin, but it says resist Satan. I was just thinking about that. One of Satan's name is Baal You know what that means? Literally, the Lord of the Flies. That's the, the, the exact translation. Baal the Lord of the Flies. Have you ever had a fly coming to your food and you just try to move it? It flies away and then a few seconds later, what happened? Come back to you. And then you just try to move it and it flies away. And a minute later, back again to your food. This is Satan. This is what he does. He, you command him to go, he comes back to you. He's trying to get you another way. You just command him to go. He tried to come back to you and try to get you. So don't run away from him. You don't need to run away from him. You have authority over him in the name of Jesus, right? So every time Satan comes to your mind, try to torment you with, with guilt or shame or sin or whatever the case is, all what you have to do is to say, Jesus, Satan, in Jesus' name, I take authority over you and I command you to go once and for all. Amen? And guess what? He will obey because he has no option. Because we have far more exceeding power and authority in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. You guys see that? There is power in the name of Jesus to do miracles. Amen? Amen? So let's take that seriously and really experience it in our life. Let's close our eyes and pray.